0: The first time I went to church. Church was a new experience for me. I'd never been to anywhere where they sung songs, so except for the football, the words weren't quite the same. It um, wasn't the same sort of passion as you get at football. Um, but one of the things that absolutely scared me to death at church was our minister. He was a crazy man. He was called um, Alistair Brown. And, uh, And he would often do something that had me on the brink of actually leaving church, because suddenly he would announce across the congregation, um, he'd pick on someone and go, um, Alistair, can you sing the next verse by yourself? (laughs) And I sat there going, if he ever picks on me, it will be the strangest singing he's ever going to hear. And honestly, I used to sit there shaking, going, oh my goodness, he's going to pick on me one day. Until one day, he turned up at our house to speak to my dad and said, oh, Jim, we'd like you to sing on Sunday. I'm going to stop and ask you to sing a verse. And I thought, oh, it's rehearsed. You know what I mean? It's not just random. He just, he does give warning. I thought, oh, I can go to church and not worry. Well, I thought we'd have a little bit of that today. (laughs) You up for it? You're all looking at me going, oh, no. Anyone want to read? 1 Timothy 1. I'm looking for a reader. Come on, Reggie, you're a star. It's only because it's hard words I can't pronounce. No, it's not too difficult. Um, Yeah, read. Uh, Why don't you read down to here, and then I'll pick it up from there.
1: Are you going to get the Bible in Broad Gloucestershire? Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Saviour and of Christ Jesus our hope to Timothy my true son in the faith grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord Timothy charged to oppose false teachers as I urged you When I went into Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Such things promote controversial speculations rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Some have have departed from these and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law, but they do not know what they are talking about or what they so confidently affirm. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and lawyers and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me.
0: Thank you, Reggie. Can't beat that accent, can you? I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength Here is a trustworthy saying, it deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But it was for this very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, only God, be honor and glory forever and ever amen Timothy my son i'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that so that by recalling them you may light sorry fight the battle well holding on to faith in good conscience which some have rejected uh, so have suffered shipwreck so they have suffered shipwreck with regard to their faith Among them are uh, Himeas and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. Well, it's a big reading, but it's a big passage, and it's got a lot to say. Let me just give you a little bit of the background. Paul has been in prison. But he's just been released. Now, when he was in prison, Paul had this plan. I don't know if you if you ever have a sort of spare time. You think, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? Paul had done that. When he was in prison, he was thinking, right, what are the plans for when I get out of prison? And his plans were this. He was going to go to Jerusalem. Then he was going to go uh, back for Europe, heading to Spain, where he would take the gospel to Barcelona and, you know what I mean, and um Benedorm and all those places where all the Brits were. Um, that was his plan. He was heading to Spain. But God had other ideas. And now as he's been to Jerusalem now, he's heading back up. He's in Macedonia. Macedonia, And he hears about what's going on in Ephesus. And so he decides that he would write and send this guy Timothy out there to help them. I want to read Something. I don't know about you, but me, I sometimes feel like there's, there's two types of Christians. Do you, you think that? Maybe even three types of Christians. That there's um, first class, second class, third class. And sometimes I feel like a third class Christian. You know what I mean? When I mean, you hang around with, with people and you think, wow, God's doing such amazing things in these people. But would he ever do that with me? Would he ever use me for, for his kingdom like that? I once was in a group uh, at an evangelist conference where I was with J. John and all these people and they're telling all their stories and I sat there thinking, will God ever do that in my life? Am I really that worthy? I mean, maybe they really do what they're supposed to do. It says this, for it is grace that you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works that so no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God's got a plan for you and for me. And even though sometimes we don't feel like it, even though we don't think it, he's got things for you to do that he has prepared in in advance. You know, you could say one word and change someone's life completely. Because he's got it in advance for you to do. There's no first class, second class, third class Christians in God's kingdom. You are children. And every one of you matters. That's what it says. We are his kids. And he has got plans for us. So what's going on in Ephesus? What's what's the problem? Let me tell you what's, what's going on. You've got these founding fathers in the church... They're teaching dodgy things. They're heretics, is what what the Bible says. They're teaching what they ought not to be teaching. They're teaching along the lines of um, that the second coming has happened and you didn't make it. You're thinking, whoa, you didn't make it for you either, pal. You're still here. Uh, They're also teaching that... um, Gnostics, I can't even say it, Gnosticism, you know what I mean? Where it's this ancient thing where they've taken sort of some Judaism, some other bits of other religions from Greek, other places, and mixed it now with Christianity and saying that you've got to have this special knowledge if you're going to hear and make it from God. And it's not. And Paul makes it simple. You know, it's easy. We're saved by grace. I mean, there's nothing you can do that you deserve what God's done for you. It's by grace. It's not that we can work our way into heaven. It's not that we are taught. It's by grace. He loves you, and you want to find the mystery? It's a mystery why He loves you. But He does. He loves you so much that there's nothing you can do. You could be the worst person in the world, and He still loves you. It's by grace that we are saved. And these two. Egypts are teaching things that are making it difficult for people to find God. And it's not difficult. God loves you. And he wants you in his kingdom. So Paul does something crazy. Because he knows how God works. He goes, okay, I've got to send someone to Ephesus. I need someone. I need someone. Oh, I'll send Timothy. Oh, that's genius. Timothy will be the man. Yes, he will be excellent for this job. Now, I've written down what we find out about Timothy as we go through, through 1 and 2 uh, Timothy. The first thing we find is that he's timid. Timid Timothy. It says that. He, he's, he's weak. He's timid. And Paul says, I mean, don't be timid. What's inside us is his Holy Spirit. There's no need to be timid. So Timothy was timid. One of the scholars says he has a tendency to lean rather than to lead. He's timid. Other thing is he's sickly. Paul says, take a little wine for your stomach. He's, He's a bit of a sickly lad. So he's timid, he's sickly, and he's young. Don't let anyone look down on you, Timothy, because you're young. But set them an example so why would he send someone to deal with heretics in the church who's timid, sickly, young? Not only that, this is this is a personal letter to Timothy. We don't have many of these in the Bible. In fact In fact, Paul only writes three, and two of them go to Timothy. One and two, Timothy. The other one is to Titus. It's the three pastoral letters. They're writing them to encourage them to to keep on going. Paul chooses Timothy with these weaknesses because he knows how God works. In our weaknesses, he is strong. When people look at us going, can't possibly be him. They see God. Before going into ministry, my first job was working in shoes. I still look at people. When I look at people, the first thing I look in someone is their shoes. You can tell a lot by what people wear in their feet. Okay, so don't if you think I'm judging you, it's probably because I'm looking down. Okay, yeah, really. <laughs> I love it, Liz, the way that you come coordinated today. Shoes, top, guitar, blinds, yes. (laughs) But my my first job, I I was employed um, uh, by, by... Even how I got employed is hysterical. I got a bus to go for an interview and it was a sort of nearly wintry snow that we had. And I was sat in the bus. The bus from Livingston to Edinburgh was full. It's always full in the mornings. Everyone go to work. And there was one seat left downstairs at the back, the seat that faces right down the bus. I thought, wait, I'm on a winner here. So I sat in this in seat. I had my suit on. I filled with real business, going for an interview. Felt proper grown-up. And as we're going, we get into Edinburgh, and it's like people are walking in and out the bus as they're going through the Edinburgh. And on the floor, it's, it's you know, the snow becomes slushy. So it's like all slushy right up the middle of the bus. And I'm watching this. And anyway, we get into the city centre. Someone steps in front of the bus. The bus does an emergency stop. And I go from the back to the front on my belly flu slush, and I'm like, I get off, and I'm like, my dad's just bought me this suit, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't believe this, and I said, what do you do? I can't go to an interview looking like this, I can't not turn up to an interview, so I walked into the building, into, into Clark's shoe shop, and went into the administration, and knocked on the door, in this reception, she just looked at me, I went, I'm supposed to be here for an interview, she <laughs> went. <laughs> I'm not coming, look at me, I fell in the bus, and she just was tears running in her eyes, and she went, I said, could you please apologize for me, and I went home, got that usual thing from my dad, how'd you get on it, so walked in. how'd you get on, I don't think I got it, <laughs> and he smiled, and he laughed, and he said, they've already phoned, son, you got the job, I went, why, they said, they've never seen anything so funny, you're definitely who they want. <laughs> Shoes, I wasn't, wasn't uh, I don't know, I, I, I got there and I actually sort of fitted really well. I, it was all, all female staff and I was the only bloke, except for the area manager who just didn't like me for a few reasons. One, he used to come and look at my shoes and go, how can you sell shoes wearing those shoes? I went, I'd like to wear clerks, but they're too expensive and you never pay me enough. And uh, she gave me a pair. Um, I then threatened to leave. And he gave me gave me a pay rise and threatened again. Then he promoted me to trainee manager. Ooh. And um, and eventually uh, I got sent in all these courses. The thing I found about funny funny about the courses was they told stories about people in sales. They're all stories about me. I used to sit there laughing anyone else gonna tell any stories because I could sell anything. Uh, Handbags were were my favorite, you know what I mean? You'd stick the handbag, the woman would buy the shoes, and then she's going, to you know, there's a handbag to go with these shoes. Look at it in the daylight. Doesn't it really suit you? And and they'd always fall for it and buy the handbag, and then i go, if you've got the handbag and the shoes, you're going to need this stuff to keep them clean. (laughs) So I I became sort of well-known in shoes, but not just me, D.L. Moody, was in the same business before he became an evangelist as well. So she's, But that wasn't my calling. The minister at this time from the church, Crazy Alistair, not this Crazy Alistair, uh, Alistair Brown, came to me one day and says, come up the front, Steve. And he went, what do you see? And I thought he was talking about the wooden floor that I used to clean on the Friday. And I was like, uh, and I didn't see nothing. I'm not admitting to anything at this point. And he says, no, Steve, all these people... I come to church because of you. Will you consider going to Bible College? And I was like, "What Bible College is going to take me? Even if I write, will you go?" I went. I'll consider it. And so he wrote to every Bible College in the country, saying, "I've got this guy. You got to take him." Any anyway, one college was foolish enough to say yes, and off I went to Bible College. And on the way to Bible College, the same Alistair Brown gave me a present. And then on the letter outside, it says, most people going to Bible college, I send commentaries with them. But for you, I've got something special. And so I unwrapped it thinking, oh, what's it going to be? It was a children's Bible. You said, you need to start here. At least you need to know a little bit about the Bible before you get to Bible college. (laughs) I sat in the bus next to this woman going, oh, do you know Jonah and the whales in the Bible? (laughs) At Bible college... Everyone knew more than me. They had this condition, because I was so young. I was only 16. They said, if I can't keep up with my studies, they're going to kick me out. And I really found... I mean, I went to, to my first um, theology lecture, and I was sat there going, I'm not sure if he's speaking in Greek or English. I have no idea what he's going on about. And I thought, I, I am not fit to be here. Everyone else has done Sunday school. Everyone's doing so well. And I am struggling. But you know what? In our weakness, God is strong. And that's what Timothy is all about. Timothy, if you look at him, he would be the last person you would be thinking of sending to Ephesus. A church that's got heretics that are from the founders of the church. Influential people. And they're sending this young, timid, sickly boy to go and deal with them. Why? Because Paul knows that God uses the weak things in this world to shame the wise. That's how God works. He's seen it work in his own life. You just imagine God between you pulling an inch, angel, Come, angels, in you come. Uh, right, we've got a problem. We need to take the gospel around the world. Any ideas who, are, who we should call? Uh, and angels will be going, oh. And God says, what about that fellow Saul? But the one who's persecuting the Christians, I. What do you think about him? He would be the last person you'd pick. Exactly. Because that's how God works. Paul's on his way to Damascus. Suddenly a flashing light falls on his horse. And Jesus turns up and goes, why are you persecuting me? And he's like, who are you? He went, it's me, Jesus. I thought you were dead. And suddenly he's a different man. And God takes this man not just to spread it for, for, for the, the Jewish community. Paul would have never been in a Gentile house. He would have never spoken to a Gentile because that's how he was brought up. You have nothing to do with them. You speak to them, you become infected. You don't want to be infected. And so Paul, always grown up, never to go near them, never to speak to them. And here Jesus says, I'm going to send this guy to the far ends of the world to tell the world about Jesus. Why? Because no one would expect it. And When they look at him, they're going to say, it can only be God. When Jesus came, he picked 12 disciples. He didn't pick the best of the best, did he? He didn't walk around going, oh, I need a scholar. I need someone who's good with languages. I need a a theologian to explain it. No, he went around and went, right, who can I pick? And he looked around and went, what about these fishing men? They're all boys. Except for Peter, most of them were teenage boys. You can tell that by the, by the arguments. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? It's going to be me. That's what they were arguing about half the time. Even on the last day of Jesus' ministry, that's what they were still arguing about. But Jesus could see, when people look at these, they'll go, this can't be in them. This has to be from God. There's one occasion when, too, Peter and John are before the council. They've been preaching when they're told not to preach, and they drag them before the council. and They're they're saying, these are uneducated men, but look how they talk and how they argue. And they could see that there's something special about them. Not because of themselves, because of what God is doing through it. Through them. That's how God works. He takes the weak things, the poor things, the strange things, and says, you can do The work of God. And when people look at those, then they can see that it's God working through them. And that's what he's done with Timothy. This young, timid, sickly guy he sends to do something special in his church. But what about you? What is God calling you to do? There's a whole world out there that needs to hear about him. A whole world out there that he Wants to tell about this mystery, this mystery that he loves them and wants to do something. Maybe he's calling you to go, to do, to be. The question always is: Are you prepared to go? Timothy could have bolted out and went, "I ain't going there. That's beyond me." But no, he went, knowing that God would use him for His glory. Paul could have said, "No one's going to listen to me," but he went and he turned the world upside down. The disciples of Jesus—they did exactly the same. The Bible talks almost like the the Christian faith is like a relay race. In uh, Hebrews, it talks about—I mean, all these—it talks about all the people from the past: Isaiah and uh, David and Moses and Abraham—and he says they've had their turn. But now it's your turn to run the race. They've had their day, but today is your day. Will you take the baton and will you run? You are Christ's representation wherever you go. If you're a teacher and go into school, you're taking Christ in there. It doesn't mean you've got to preach, because if you do preach, you'll get fired. But it means that you go and you be the Christian. You live your life, you, you love, you care. In a way that you can. Or if you work in an office. Or if you're a carer. Or if you work in a hospital. Wherever you go. We take Christ. Will you be that person? The reason that most people become Christians. Isn't by the the preacher standing up the front explaining everything. Most people become Christians because they see someone. And say there's something weird about them. But I like it. And they ask questions, and eventually they get an invitation somewhere, and they turn up. Be the person that you're called to be, wherever it is. Go and make a difference in this world. Shine bright, love, care. Be the person that you're called to be. Because just like Timothy, God's got a plan for you. So let me pray for you. So Father, I thank you for Timothy. I thank you that that he was... And all things seemed like the last person anyone would choose to send to a tough assignment. But you chose him because you would be seen through him. And you call us, Father. You put us in some, some strange places, the places where we work, places where we live, in families. I pray that you help us to shine bright, to be the people that you've called us to be. Give us the right words at the right time to make a big difference in someone's life. father even in this next week you use us for your kingdom amen